Sims the freshman. Sims had to hustle it, and he's got it to give. He handles in. Oh, man, give. Touchdown. And now going for the end zone, and caught for the touchdown by Zay Flowers. Hokies come with pressure. Spins out of it. Now he's got to get rid of it. Has a receiver open to the end zone, and a touchdown. Into the boundary, Fitzpatrick juggled it, and it is intercepted. Divine Diablo comes away with the carol. And welcome to today's episode of the Pipeline ACC Podcast. I am Dan Siegel from ACC Content. I am joined, as always, by Jason Gibbs. Jason, we have week five approaching. How are you doing? Man, lovely as always. Great week five. Big games. A lot of crucial games, even in the ACC, which is, you know, probably for all intents and purposes out of the college football playoff. But still, a lot of games to be had, a lot of wins and, and shakeups to to uh, probably occur. So let's get to it, man. We also will be having Boston College offensive guard Christian Mahogany on the show in a little bit. But, yeah, he'll uh, break down better that Clemson – BC game for us but before we get to that we're going to just talk some of these games out then after his interview we'll make the picks so first off let's start with Virginia Miami that is the Thursday night game and the only reason I want to start with that is because I imagine a lot of listeners will be listening to this on Friday and Saturday and they can either laugh at us for how stupid we are talking about this game or praise us for how smart we are so we'll see, but we'll just talk about this one briefly. Man, two teams with pretty fairly high expectations going into the year. Both teams are now two and two, and neither team could possibly lose this game. Yeah, this is an interesting game. I know we talked about it on our Discord server. Plug, join the Discord server. Uh, but, yes, yeah, I mean, it started out at Miami minus four, which already seemed a little strange, right? It, it it didn't really seem like they should be favored by more than a field goal, at least, if not maybe slightly less. It's been steamed all the way up to six. So this is really a, a kind of a stay away game, in, in my opinion. Um, I, I don't think King Derek King's going to play. I think he's still out. Brennan Armstrong, my boy, Brennan Armstrong's playing, obviously. But, you know, Virginia has to pick up the pieces after a terrible loss to Wake Forest. And Miami has to pick up the pieces. Uh, well, they, they lost to Michigan State. I guess they beat Central Connecticut State 69 nothing, But definitely a, kind of a must win for both teams, really. Yeah, Virginia's defense, uh, David Hale, I know we plug him a lot on this podcast, but he's truly awesome when it comes to ACC coverage. And he tweeted something about how Virginia has one of the worst defenses in the country and they're facing Miami who has one of the worst offenses in the country. It's like yeah, the, opposite, the opposite of the unstoppable force versus the immovable mm, object or right. whatever. It's like the stoppable force against the movable object. <laughs> That's right. kind of what it is. And I guess the over under is 62. So we're, let's see, what does that make the implied score? Like Miami, 33 and a half yeah. to 28 and a half. So like that. It's, it's interesting. We'll, we'll see a combination at Miami quarterback Van Dyke, Tyler Van Dyke and Jake Garcia. I think the Miami fan base seems to like Van Dyke a little more. We'll see. 
basically I think it's just about the quarterback that could work through their progressions better. You'll get a ton of time against the Virginia defensive line. So we'll see, but. Well, you know, this, uh, I already mentioned it being the Hurricanes minus six. This week is filled with absolutely wild lines. We'll get to them more in a little bit, especially with our picks. But this, that's just the tip of the iceberg, Miami being, uh, you know, and we'll see, does it get steamed up to the key number? I, I don't know, but re- really a, a big game for both both uh, programs. And then we also, so we have Virginia Tech on a bye this week. I believe they're the only team on a bye. Let's see, two, four, six, eight, ten. So, yeah, so 13 teams are playing. NC State is the only team playing a non-conference game, ranked NC State, 23rd ranked NC State. Our top team in the ACC is playing host to Louisiana Tech. And let's just talk about Louisiana Tech a little bit. They are two and two with losses to SMU and Mississippi State. So if you want to use transitive property, Louisiana Tech should win this game because they only lost to Mississippi (laughs) State by one point. Quarterback Austin Kendall for Louisiana Tech. Has some decent stats, but seems like he's gotten pretty lucky if you look at the advanced stats because he has more turnover-worthy plays than big-time throws. Translation, not good. And it's going to be a team that's going to try to run the ball as a first resort, usually effectively, but it seems like I think NC State will have their way. They had their way against Clemson somewhat. I think they'll certainly be able to have their way if they play the same way against Louisiana Tech. Yeah, I mean, like you said, Larry's playing well. Uh, NC State should win this game. It would be an insane letdown if they don't. Uh, but LaTeX, they've had some decent teams in years past, at least teams that could put up some points. I don't think that that's this team, especially against this Wolfpack defense that's playing pretty well right now. You know, some general point I made about the ACC, a lot of fan bases – who are in the running for the division for even the conference are just so like negative and they feel like just like, let's take Virginia tech, for example, we'll, we'll talk about them in a second. They're on a buy this week, but let's just say like the, their fans are so negative about the team. And they, if you look at their negative aspect, they lost to West Virginia. That's a lot less bad than pretty much every other team in the conference. So there's there's hope for pretty much anybody, and especially NC State. You know, a lot of, I know a lot of state fans are saying, "Oh man, if we only beat Mississippi State, well, you're still in a better position than a vast majority of the conference." So anyway, we'll see what they do against Louisiana Tech. Louisiana. I think, Tech- I think my favorite. I, I don't remember who tweeted it, uh, but someone called into a show or, or posted on a chat board. I'm I'm losing the details, but they were an NC State fan. They were upset that the Wolfpack beat Clemson because they wanted Dave Dorn fired. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I college football at its apex right there. <laughs> I, I know about that. that. That reminds me of Virginia Tech fans, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see star edge rusher Ben Bell for Louisiana Tech. 17 pressures this year, three sacks against maybe Iki Aquanu. That would be an interesting matchup if you really dive into it. But – we got a lot of ACC versus ACC on Saturday. Where do you want to go first? Besides Boston College Clemson, I'm leaving that off limits. We're talking about that one last. Yeah, I want, we could just start in order. You know, Pitt at Georgia Tech. Yeah, so uh, Pitt three-point favorites on the road. It seems like um, 
Well, Vincent Davis will not have. I got him up to three and a half, man. I got yeah, him up three to three and a half. Man. It seems like um, I don't think Vincent Davis is going to run for 247 yards like he did last year. That's my bold prediction about this game. But otherwise, you know, it's a big opportunity for two coastal teams. Might set the stage for the coastal division. And yeah, what are you thinking about this game? Well, it's interesting. Pitt, three and one on the year, has yet to play a conference game. Uh, Georgia Tech's already played two. So Pitt kind of has to make up some, some literally games, you know, to, as they're going against Georgia Tech. It'll be interesting. Pitt coming off a demolishing of, I can't remember who they played, New Hampshire? Yeah. Some, some FCS team. And Georgia Tech with a really a routing of UNC. They get back-to-back home games, although technically last week I think was supposed to be a neutral site game. Uh, obviously, it was in Georgia, so it wasn't really a neutral site game. However, you know, we'll have to see. Kenny Pickett, our guys, playing well this year. Uh, Jordan Addison still just unbelievable. He's really going to uh, play well when, you know, when he makes it to the NFL. Gibbs running the ball. We'll see if he can uh, get some uh, yardage against this. Can at times be – Tough Pittsburgh defensive line. We'll see which one shows up. I don't know. Interesting game. I'm I'm interested to see. I'm guessing Jeff Sims will be the quarterback for Georgia Tech the whole way, I'll, because I feel like the coaching staff wants that to be the case, although I haven't really looked too much into the Georgia Tech quarterback situation this week. I'm guessing that's the case, and that'll be maybe a chance to get his confidence up throwing the ball because Pitt secondary – well, we thought they were going to be good going into the year has been very problematic in reality. So we'll see. Last year, they kind of gave Jeff Sims some trouble through the year. I think this year he'll have a better time throwing the ball. So that's something to keep in mind. Uh, next up, Duke, North Carolina, big spread. I don't see – you know what? I want to say I don't see it being close, but you, you never know. It's an ACC against an ACC game. And also – Gunnar Holmberg has looked really good, so it'll be – I still think it's some sort of test for the UNC secondary, which has had guys hurt for a while. I think Storm Duck is still banged up. Will he be playing this game? I'm not sure, but that'll be – which UNC offensive line will we get? I think that'll determine the game. Will we get this, the offensive line we saw against Virginia? Will we get the offensive line we saw against Georgia Tech? Yeah, I mean, it, it will be interesting. UNC, it's another matchup where Duke has yet to play a conference game, and then UNC's already played three. So this will be their fourth conference game. I think at this point, beyond some insane miracle, uh, the Tar Heels' chances of making it to the ACC championship game are over. You know, quite the fall from grace. We were talking dark horse CFP to begin the year, and now we're talking about not even making the – ACC championship game so you know our, our guy Mateo Durant for Duke really running the ball well and as you said Holmberg's playing well for for the Blue Devils that line I think was a little eye-opening to me and you know I know UNC's at home they've played better at home they beat Virginia who should be better than the Blue Devils at home by 20 you know Big over under. I just haven't seen it from this UNC defense. I thought it was going to be improved this year. I had a, a lot of people chirping on, at me on, on Twitter that, you know, watch out for this UNC defense. It's going to be sneaky good. Not yet. <laughs> I mean, 
remains to be seen. Really, uh, it's almost fundamentals that I've seen on tape. A lot of over-pursuing. And all it takes is a guy like Durant to cut the ball back and just huge chunks of yards are available. We'll see if they kind of correct that this week. And then uh, next, Louisville, Wake Forest, 24th ranked Wake Forest. Sorry for the disrespect. This is so interesting because every week I feel like I say, oh, this is going to be the first test for Wake, right? Florida State is their first ACC game. Virginia, their first good ACC game. Well, Florida State sucks. Virginia sucks. Is Louisville now their first test? I don't know, but they keep breezing through, and I got to just think that they should do the same against Louisville, but Louisville is also turned around their season, so it'll kind of be like the loser gets brought back down to earth. The winner is at an all-time high. We'll see. Um Malik Cunningham thrives off the intermediate passing game. So that's an area we'll have to keep an eye on for a week. They kind of struggled in that respect against UVA a little bit, but UVA is a very strong passing game. So we'll see. Um, Louisville secondary against Wake Forest passing game will also be very interesting because Louisville secondary is coming into place and Wake has a very high power passing offense. So. Just a little matchup in the matchups. Yeah, A.T. Perry for Wake really kind of bloomed this year. You know, I think everyone's eyes were on Robinson to begin the year, but uh, Sam Hartman and company, Christian Beal Smith, really some hype. Like you said, I really like this uh, Dave Clawson offense. It'll be interesting, you know, because as you said, also the Louisville defense kind of coming on. I just wonder on the road, can can the cards pull it off? They looked terrible the first game of the year, and they've really fought back. So hats off to them. Definitely intriguing because the winner remains undefeated in the ACC, and the loser, like you said, kind of going to fall back to the earth. And how about this one? Wait, oh, I'm sorry. Syracuse is underdogs by four and a half points on the road against Florida State. We've talked about Syracuse. We've talked about the fact that. They look pretty much good in every single position group except for quarterback. And we talked about Florida State. They have quarterback issues, but they have issues everywhere else, it seems. So that line definitely intrigued me a little bit. Um, what, like, what do you see happening possibly for Florida State in order to win this game? Do you think it's a product of Syracuse getting brought back down to where we thought they were? Or like, like – what exactly does Florida State put together in order to be favored and pull out a vict- victory? Well, you know, last week's game against Louisville in Tallahassee, they were just getting blown off the map at halftime. I think it was 31 to 10, something bad, something really bad, 31 13, something like that. They really fall back in the second half and they actually held Louisville scoreless. Maybe they're building off that. I guess I feel like at some point they have to break through. I didn't see them breaking through to the tune of four and a half points. That, especially that hook, kind of like it. But I, I prefaced this whole week by saying there's some wild lines. I would throw this in there. I would put this probably at, you know, Seminoles two and a half, maybe three. You know, I know Syracuse, it's their first ACC game as well. Seminoles 0 and 2 in the conference 0-4 in the year. I don't know. Maybe maybe Vegas is tipping their hand here. 
Maybe. It's, they also are expecting a defensive game. and that, That's the only way I think Florida State wins. I don't think they're going to keep up on the scoreboard if Tucker is running the ball well and making plays out of the backfield and Syracuse has all their things working offensively. I, I don't think Syracuse I don't think Syracuse will give up enough defensively to lose the game, especially with how good that defensive line has been. Cody Roscoe has six sacks in the last two games, man. So against that Florida State offensive line seems problematic. I think it's got to be a grinded out defensive, very low scoring game for Florida State to win. Yeah, I still, but I, I wouldn't put them at four and a half at that point. I would put it, like I said, two and a half or three. Yes. One, one kind of interesting, you know, if I'm, if I'm head coach Mike Norvell, I'm putting 15 guys in the box. You know, I am not letting Sean Tucker beat me. I am daring them to throw the ball. You know, Tosh Harris really hasn't had a great year at the wideout position for the Orange, but that's because of the poor quarterback play, as you alluded to. So something to keep an eye on. I, I really want to highlight Ja'Shawn Corbin for Florida State, averaging over nine yards a carry. Really electric. I, I wish he would get a little, little more touches, not just because he's on my fantasy team, but he, I just feel like, you know, good things happen when he has the ball. I think he's – I expected Toa Feely to be the better one of the two, but, yeah, Corbin's definitely been much more efficient. So, yeah, they. I think they definitely – if they get into a situation where they can establish the run, then that's a good thing for Forest State because – Maybe I mean I still think Syracuse's run game has an advantage, but if Florida State, that's how their offense is going to thrive because if they're getting into third and long, even second and long situations and obvious passing situations, Mackenzie Milton clearly has shown 5.9 yards per attempt this year. He's not yeah. efficient enough to pick up first downs consistently like that. It's not like a UNC or a Wake offense that'll do that. Last game before we get uh, Christian Mahogany on to kind of talk about it a little bit and answer some other questions. Boston College, 15.5-point underdogs at 25th rank somehow, 2-2 two and two Clemson this weekend, 7.30 on Saturday night. I 15.5 was very interesting to me because based on the way Clemson has played, and based on the way Boston College has played, it's going to be very close, in my opinion. And I don't think – like, 15 and a half doesn't tell me, oh, it's it's because they don't – the Vegas line does not believe in Jerkovic. Or, I'm sorry, does not believe in Grossell, and it would be closer with Jerkovic because maybe the quarterback situation accounts for, what, four or five points in the spread? Still mm -hmm. double digits. So that's interesting to me. What do you make of this, Jason? Yeah, just from a Clemson perspective, because we'll let we'll let Christian talk a little bit more about the Boston College perspective. At some point, don't you have to break through? I, I, don't, I guess maybe that's not not a definite. Definitely, the injuries are stacking up for for the Tigers. Brian Brissy is going to be out. Will Shipley's out. Lynn J. Dixon has entered the transfer portal, so I'm not even sure who's going to be running the ball. You know, and we've talked about their problematic offensive line and you know to your credit on on our past award-winning podcast you you've really touted the boston college offensive line as being the best in the conference you said that preseason best in the country even so it's kind of strength versus strength as far as boston college offensive line clemson defensive line 
I don't know. Maybe we see that breakout from DJ Uyunglele. I mean, listen to these stats. 63 for 112 uh, attempts on the year. Only 586 yards and three touchdowns. That's really just not what we expected. We alluded to probably a Clemson drop-off from Trevor Lawrence, but I just don't think either of you or either you or I could have imagined that much of a dropout. And it's really just, it's an anemic offense. It's, it's like, they're almost like the, um, what was it? The 2000 Ravens, you know, where if you're going to win, you're going to win 10 to nine where you had a field goal and a, a defensive touchdown. So I, I, I was surprised that the line's that high, I guess, maybe, especially the over under being 46, and you're talking about two touchdowns. I think I think it's 14 and a half, 15 at this point. That, that's crazy. That that means they really don't think Boston College can score any points. And they really think Clemson's going to put up 31 because that's the implied final score, 31, 15 and a half. That's yeah. – I feel like it's just one of those situations where we can't just assume Clemson's going to win anymore just because they're Clemson. Maybe we could have done that for the NC State game after – all right, they found a way to beat Georgia Tech because they're Clemson. Mm -hmm. But now they actually got dethroned, and I feel like at this point we put Clemson on equal playing fields the rest of the conference. That's why 15 and a half fascinates me. I'm sure Christian will feel the same way, so we'll uh, get him on the show unless you have anything else to say beforehand. Now let's hear it. Let's do it. All right, here we go. So we are now joined by Boston College guard Christian Mahogany. Uh, Christian, obviously, appreciate you coming on. Needless to say, you've had a busy week of game prep against Clemson this weekend. But how you been doing? I've uh, been good. I've been good. Just, you know, hanging out with my guys and watching film. Getting ready to play Clemson in Death Valley. 7.30, prime time. Should be a good environment. Christian, starting a little general, you were recruited by Adazio to play in a very run-heavy scheme. And then Coach Halfley comes along and brings a more modernized approach. But now this year with QB1 going down, you've been somewhat resorting to old concepts. What is it like to make these transitions? Oh, I mean, you know, you just uh, – our coaches ask a lot of us. And, you know, we go out there and execute at, at a high level. You know, we put in the work. So, you know, going back to some of the old running schemes isn't uh, a fact of our QB being hurt, our starting quarterback still being hurt. It's a fact that we're confident in our abilities to do it against anyone uh, as, a, as an O-line unit. So it wasn't a matter of, oh, we're going back to what we know. It's just what's working this week because you never know what could happen, you know. That's, that's in my opinion. I think we, we had a game plan. And we ran the ball well, so we just stuck to it. I don't think it's old schemes, but, I mean, it's it's easy to transition when you're doing some old stuff that you first come into college with, for sure. You know, I, I feel like it, um, a lot of people have stepped up just in general this year, and that's what's really brought you to the 4-0 start that you guys have had. And what especially glares out is your unit, the offensive line. I believe the center, uh, Alec Lindstrom, said something along the lines in a post-game interview of I'm practically in tears. I'm so proud of this unit. So just talk to me about the chemistry of this offensive the bonding and just on and off the field, what's been just bringing you guys together? Well, you know, as, a, as an offensive line, you know, you're never really in the spotlight. You know, you're just 
you're just there doing the, the dirty work and you let the other guys take some of the recognition. And that's okay. We we all we, we love our guys. We'll never be the ones to be like, oh, this, this, and this. So yeah, I mean, Alec, you know, has been a big help to me in my career. We all hang out all the time. We every Thursday night we go out before the game, we get some wings and talk about some stuff like personal. We talk about the game plan, everything. You know, so those guys, like you said in an interview, those guys are like my best friends and they've been around since day one. Obviously, those are the first guys you meet when you step foot on campus. And those are the guys I'll never forget for, for a long time. So all of them are my brothers. I appreciate everyone, even the, the starters to the guys that really don't play that much. So they'll always be in my heart forever. And we all, we all, all of us have a strong bond together. It's good stuff. Christian, Dennis Grossell is a guy who was a walk-on and worked his way to starting QB, then graciously took the shadows as Phil came in, and now he's back in the situation to lead the team. How has this team been able to rally around him over the years? Oh, it's not hard at all. Uh, you know, Dennis is a guy that, like you said, it was a walk-on. Uh, he came as starting QB, then injuries, uh, then Phil comes in. You know, it could in some people's eyes, that could be demoralizing demoralizing and you know like coach Halfley even said in an interview I'll quote him he said Dennis could start at a lot of schools in the country right now at this point and he he's decided to stay and build what he had here and like like the times before we we needed him again and you know that and he's and, it, and it's no surprise to any of us on the team so like when people are like oh can they win with Dennis all this in the media and stuff we don't we like we're we just laugh at that stuff because Dennis has been here before. He's seen it all. He's played in big games, and we'll, he'll continue to do so for the rest of the year. So it, it doesn't even, like, cross my mind when it was like, okay, Dennis is coming in. It's it's just like, okay, it's natural at this point because I know he can do it, and he believes he can do it, and everyone on this team and the coaches and the staff all believe he could do it. So that's, that's where I'm at. I love to hear that. So um, from a more personal standpoint, you – had a great start to the year, but around the conference, you might not have received as much recognition, obviously just in general being an offensive lineman, but even as much as the other offensive linemen on your team. So what are some of your own personal goals in order to kind of bring yourself more recognized among the media? And the well, yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I understand uh, completely why I'm, you know, I'm the youngest guy on the, on the line, I'm the youngest guy, like, to be around. And it's no surprise for me that, like, sometimes I fall on the radar. And I don't take that personally at all to anyone in the media that, you know, knows about me or doesn't. I just, you know, it's just those guys, those four guys have built something here. And my time will come. And I know that for a fact. But some goals, obviously, like, I have big goals in mind. But I, 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 write, I write them down like we, we write them down before the season. I have a I have like a little whiteboard in my room. I write down my goals. Some of the goals were uh, obviously Joe Moore Award as a unit. I don't I, I don't just think about myself sometimes. You know, it's the O-line. I think we can win the Joe Moore. I think, you know, that's a goal. That's a realistic goal for us. I wrote that down. I wrote down some bigger goals like Outland Trophy finalists, uh, uh, first team all ACC before the year started. So those are just some of the small but bigger goals that I think I can accomplish as the season goes on. Now moving on to Clemson, the big game you guys got this weekend. 
us two were pretty surprised to see you guys as heavy underdogs in this game, according to the Vegas line. But do you guys like to use that as a chip on your shoulder or do you just completely tune that out and go in the, go in with the mentality that you're the better team? Uh, well, we definitely know that we're the underdogs. We definitely knew before the season that we were underdogs. We, we knew we were going to be underdogs in most of these games this season. And, you know, some people on the team use it as fuel. Some people tune it out and they just go in there and worry about ourselves and know what we can do. I'm personally a person that likes to worry about himself and knows his assignments and the jobs. And if we all do that together, we'll, we'll come out victorious just like the other, the previous week. So it, it should be a fun time down there. I'm excited. It's going to be my second year playing in Death Valley. Should, it, should, it should be an exciting one. And hopefully we end up with the win. Obviously, Brian Brissy is injured for Clemson and is not going to be playing. But the team is touted for their strong defensive front. So, you know, without giving away your game plan, how, how do you guys intend to kind of handle that? We're, we're just going to do this, this, the same thing that every, every offensive line in the country thinks they can do, and that's dominate. You know, I always, before every game, I talk to myself in my own head. I'm like, dominate. Any, anyone you're playing, no matter who who's in front of me, Brian Breesey or any any of those other guys that they have in front of them, no matter who it is, Colgate or Clemson, I treat everyone the same. So, and I know my, my fellow offensive linemen will too. So it's just dominate the 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 day, dominate your opponent that 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 game, and you'll will be victorious. So that's what I think. Are there any NFL guys that you watch on film, or you know maybe model your game after? Well, I, well, originally, I mean, not a lot of people know this story, but originally I didn't start playing football until my freshman year of high school, and I didn't start playing offensive line until my junior year. So this is only like my fifth year, full year playing offensive line. Wow. So so I, I had to watch a lot of those guys and like seeing it on like Madden. I played Madden Ultimate Team a lot. So like seeing like who they were, cause I played D line. So I, I looked up some of the guys that were in the game and I watched them like the Jonathan Ogdens and like guys like that. And then now I would say the most, the most people I watch is like, uh, obviously the obvious Trent Williams, uh, Quentin Nelson. I like those guys a lot. Cause they're like aggressive, nasty old linemen. So. Christian, I appreciate your time before we go. I just want to give you a minute to, Talk about promote your uh, CM73 clothing brand that you got going on. Oh, yeah, man. So CM73, that's my clothing brand that I created uh, over the over the summer with my mom and my family. And it's just, you know, it's basically the basics of it are my initials, Christian Mahogany and my my number 73. Like I grew up uh, on 173 in in New Jersey. So like, that's like, I, I feel like the number resonated with me for a long time and I've been wearing it for a while since high school. And, you know, we, we, it is what it is. My brand, we have uh, t-shirts, hoodies and shorts right now. And as the winter comes around, we're going to be making more stuff for winter clothing. So if you want some merch, go ahead and check out the website in my, in my link in bio. Yeah. And I'll drop the link in the episode description as well. So, uh, it. yeah, Christian, thank you for your time and uh, good luck this weekend. Yeah, man, appreciate it. Enjoy. So, thank you very much to Christian Mahogany. That was good stuff right there. Um, seems like that Boston College offensive line just really has 
I mean, there's a reason for how good they are. And there's a reason for how Boston College offensive lines just always tend to be good. They just, they gel together. I think they're very well coached. And it's a really talented group. We're going to see potentially five NFL players out of that. Yeah, State of the Eagles. You you know, I guess State of the Eagles right now. It's, uh, it was good to hear. It was good to hear from them. It's good to hear the insight, you know, and the, and the into their chemistry and how they kind of just see each other as brothers, whether they're starters or whether they're backups. And they definitely seem like they're up for the task. It'll be interesting. I would love to see them. Uh, what, I forgot the name of the award, but the award for the best offensive line in the country. I oh, would yeah. love to see Boston College uh, win that. So we'll see. But let, let's make some game picks we got. We are tied right now in the overall contest. Remember, it is one point for every ACC game. It is minus one for an incorrect lock. It is plus one for a non-ACC game picked correctly. There, You can pick three of them out of the blue, any of them. And you can pick a double-digit dog. If they win outright, you get two bonus points. So we don't get as much selection because the conference is now playing each other. But let's start. We'll go chronological order. Virginia, Miami, Thursday night, tomorrow night, tonight, maybe at this point when you're listening. <laughs> um, Five-and-a-half-point favorites for Miami. I'm going to go Virginia against this spread. I think that is just too big. And – I think it'll be uh, pretty much a toss-up game for me. So UVA plus five and a half on the road. Yeah, I, I mean, my gut, or you know, like just my knee jerk, I say the Cavs. I just don't. I just know sharp money's coming in on the Hurricanes, and it really, it really scares me. So, I guess Virginia. Brennan Armstrong's my guy. You know, he's he's hope hopefully can. Drag me to a, a fantasy victory this week. We'll see. I, I guess I'll go Cavs. I, I this week I I expect pure an abomination from all my picks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, these these are tough lines, and I feel like if the lines seem more accurate to us, we'd pick them a little bit better. But just it, it's the it's the mental like like manipulation you're trying to do in your mind because. There's these lines that are way off from what you think. And should I use reverse psychology in this case? It's, yeah, it's, these are tough lines for sure. But anyway, moving on, we got Pittsburgh at Georgia Tech, Pitt three and a half point favorites. Who are you thinking? I'm going to go Panthers. I feel like this is an opportunity. The hook scares me a little bit. I feel like this is an opportunity for Georgia Tech to kind of let their guard down after a big victory over UNC last week. And I still think, you know, the flying Narduzzi's are, are hungry, especially after getting embarrassed uh, to Western Mission a couple weeks ago. Yeah, I look at the – just on paper, I think Pitt has more strengths if you look at, like, each of the individual matchups. And I'm not sure Georgia Tech has a plan to stop Kenny Pickett and the passing game because, quite frankly, nobody really has so far, so – I'll give I'll do Pitt minus three and a half as well. And then moving on to Duke at North Carolina. North Carolina 20 point favorites. Maybe I would have gone UNC because of the uh hook, like they could win by three touchdowns, but I'm gonna go Duke. I think that it's a this is too big. I like what I've seen out of Duke. I don't like what I've seen out of North Carolina. Obviously, 
it, it should be a big spread, but should it be as big as 20? Probably not. So I'll go Duke. Yeah, I, I literally agree with everything you said. And for that reason, I'm going to go with UNC because this is an, a preposterous line. Nothing we've seen from UNC yet says they should be favored by 20 points. And Duke has come on. UNC's fallen off. This, this, this smells fishy to me. I, I feel like, I don't know. This is probably going to be one of those lines where it's like, it's 30 to 30 in the fourth quarter. And I'm thinking, why did I do this? But I'm, I'm going to our heels minus 20. That'd be pretty cool if it was 30 to 30 in the fourth quarter. We could see Duke <laughs> UNC on the football field being competitive too. Right. I would dream of that. Like top 25 matchups between Duke and UNC. <laughs> but no. All right. Louisville at Wake Forest. Wake at home six and a half point favorites. Yes, yeah, so I'm sure Wake fans want me to pick Louisville because I feel like every time I go against Wake Forest, I know a friend of the program, Griffin's probably licking his chops, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ride with the Deeks. Maybe I'm the kiss of death. Maybe I just – whatever I pick with Wake Forest, do the opposite. I'm going to ride with the Deeks. Uh, maybe they can cover. I, I hope they can put up, you know, with my pick at least, I hope they can put up enough offense to kind of counteract Malik Cunningham and some of his uh, athleticism. I'm picking Wake as well, and I'm locking it up. I think uh, six and a half, I think Wake is a little bit more better than six and a half points at home against Louisville. And then the reason I like the lock is because it's a perfect little hook. Wake wins by a touchdown, and I get them still covering. So, mm. All right, Syracuse at Florida State. Florida State, four and a half point favorites. I feel like it's a little bit, like you said, too fishy to go Syracuse money line, but against the spread, I am going to go Cuse. Yeah, I, uh, I agree, but because of that, I'm going to go Florida State. I'm probably going to have paralysis by analysis this week. I'm probably going to overthink everything. I did have a, a Florida State fan that, that said they felt good this week, and, and they're, they're pretty realistic. So, they, you know, they, uh, they messaged me that. I'll take the hunch. Uh, there's really no reason for it to be four and a half. So I'm going to go four and a half. Uh, Knowles. Florida State. Yeah. I think Florida State will win more than the UMass game this year. And this is probably their second most likely win if you look at the rest of their schedule. So right. I know that's terrible logic to say if they're going to win a game <laughs> individually, but just that I'm just saying that in general. Um, yeah. Louisiana Tech at NC State, NC State minus 20 and a half. I think, it, yeah, you're going first this time. Yeah, I'm going to go with La Tech plus 20 and a half. I, I just feel like it's a little bit of a letdown situation. I, I, I think Wolfpack win easily, but three touchdowns I feel like might be a, a little much right now, especially after that emotional win. Dave Dorn gets his big victory, uh, the goalpost torn down and, Carry down Hillsborough Street. So, Latte. I'll go NC State. Perfect for the hook situation here where they could win by 21. And I don't know. I'm just not a fan of Louisiana Tech. I know people thought Louisiana Tech actually outmatched uh, Mississippi State physically, but 
the one thing you learn in college football is never go by one individual game to influence your prediction for one other individual game. You got to go by the full body of work. And the full body of work was Louisiana Tech struggling to be an FCS team, Louisiana Tech struggling to beat a low-level group of five team, and losing to SMU. So I'll go NC State minus 20 and a half. And then uh, Boston College at Clemson. Uh, 15 and a half points. We had our guy, uh, Christian Mahogany, say that he likes. He expected to be the heavy underdog. Some guys just tune it out. Some guys enjoy being the heavy underdog and putting a chip on their shoulder. For those guys that enjoy having the chip on their shoulder, please tune out for a second because I am going to pick Boston College plus 15 and a half. Um, I think this I, – I already discussed too much of this before – we had a Christian on, so that's all I'm going to say. Yeah, I go Eagles here. I just, it's hard for me to believe in Clemson. Like you said, the body of work, it just doesn't support such a line. We could be wrong. You know, Boston College did kind of squeak by against a, a Missouri team, but, and it was at home. So maybe this is the week that Clemson breaks out. If so, you and I will both go down in flames. I guess I need to put it in my lock. I, have, I always have the floating lock. I guess I'll go back and, and do Pittsburgh as my lock. All right. And then uh, we got our three non-ACC games. So I'll let you start with these. Just three, any non-ACC games, any team, any line you can find, go for it. I'm going to go Kansas State plus 10.5, Oklahoma at Kansas State. I, I like that line. And I – I think I'm going to make that my double-digit line as well. Okay. Um, I don't know. I, I, I really – I need to do the math on whether game theory would say that or not. The other one uh, – or my second game is uh, Texas at TCU. Texas now plus five – or, I'm sorry, Texas is minus five. It was – started out at minus six. TCU at plus five. I'm going with the Horned Frogs plus five. And for my third pick, I think I'm going to go with, I think I'm going to ride with Penn state um, minus 12 and a half versus um, Indiana. I know uh, they're, they're going to definitely want revenge for last year's epic game in which, you know, remember Michael Penix stretching out for the, the pylon. It was a classic image from last year. Penn state, a lot to prove, a lot to, you know, a lot to play for. And I'm, I'm going to ride with the Nittany Lions. I appreciate you keeping it interesting and going with the power conference uh, teams because I went a lot of group of five action this week. That's just, I plugged into my, uh, my favorite PFF ELO metric and I plugged in all the games and it came out with a couple of obscurities, but well, I'll start with the one that people will probably actually be watching. And that is Auburn at LSU. I like Auburn plus three and a half. The theme with these are probably the hooks because mm -hmm. I also like uh, FIU, Florida International, plus 10.5 at Florida Atlantic. I think the model projected like a nine, nine and a half point advantage for Florida Atlantic. So FIU, and then obviously I'll make Florida International my lock, plus 10.5, and, and hopefully they went outright. And then my, uh, my final one will be Houston, plus 4.5 at Tulsa. I'm. Mm. I'm wondering why Houston's underdogs in that, but at the plus Coons. one, 
C-O-O-G-S, as I've been corrected before. Really? Yeah. Do not say C-O-U-G-S. The Cougs fans do not like that. <laughs> I'm telling you from first-hand experience. <laughs> I am not even going to ask you why, and I think we're just going to end the episode on that note because um, we've got plenty of content coming your way with, uh, obviously, our we'll continue with our recap preview stuff. And, you know, basketball is coming soon, obviously. I'm going to keep reminding you guys that because some of you all need that if you root for Florida State or maybe even, I don't know, one of those other teams that are down bad. But with that being said, yeah, subscribe to our podcast. If you haven't already, leave us a five-star review if you liked what you've heard. Follow us on Twitter. I'm Dan at ACC Content. Jason is at Pipeline. And with that being said, thanks for listening once again, and we'll see you next time on the Pipeline ACC Podcast.